back to the Next Community Podcast. I am Angelo Luciani, along with Laura Whalen. Hello. And from Tech Reckoning, John Troyer. Howdy. It's great to be chatting with everyone today. On today's podcast, our guest is Matthew Day, IT manager of Lang's Building Supplies located in Australia. And for this podcast, we went into the archives and we found this gem and wanted to share it with the community. It was recorded shortly after VMworld 2014, but we felt it was still relevant and had some insightful things to share with with you folks. A couple things that caught my attention during the podcast was being a business IT enabler. It's really um, something that resonated with me, especially in my former position as a sysadmin, because it wasn't always about um, the mechanics of IT, but rather how IT could help business deliver. What what did you guys think of that? I really enjoyed listening to the interview. He is positive. He is aligned with the business. I thought it was interesting he equated the IT that goes to the cloud with not wanting to get their hands dirty anymore, which was kind of a funny Mm -hmm. way of looking at it. But I kind of see where he probably encountered people who just want to say, like, I don't want to deal with any hardware anymore. And he sees that as not being the optimal approach either. Matt, He's got tons of experience. He seems to me to be a real visionary in the industry and and somebody that can kind of look at the macro level, but then also has a real sense for the details as well. And just, you know, with with the breadth of experience he's had, um, he's able to kind of get that real world view and come up with these concepts that I think are revolutionary, you know, in our industry. Yeah, one one thing that resonated with me, and it's kind of funny because uh, really made me chuckle when I first heard him say it. He he enjoys going around saying yes to everyone now as a, as an IT person because uh, I think typically or traditionally you know IT folks are sometimes the, the first person to say no to something whether it's adding more you know workload to our everyday life or not but that was interesting to hear that he actually enjoys going around saying yes and you know that reminded me of. Um, of another place that I used to work um, where there, there was a motto and it was, the answer is yes, what's the question? So that, that, that sort of resonated with me. Angelo, in the middle part of the interview, they end up talking about uh, VDI uh, for a while. Uh, he has a distributed workforce and um, they were talking about some of the announcements last fall at, at VMworld. I don't know, what did you think about the VDI portion of the interview? He has a number of users that are um, 3D three D. CAD users. So I know he was pretty excited of about the NVIDIA graphics support. I ha- haven't really had an opportunity to really uh, dig deep into VDI. I know, um, you know, every year is the year of VDI, but uh, it's, he sounded to, really interested in the NVIDIA support to help uh, enable those users with their 3D, 3D gra- graphics and, and CAD drawing. So that was that was pretty interesting to hear. Yeah, I like the idea that, you know, he's really trying to support everybody's function and, and, you know, including those, those more cutting edge teams, you know, and the teams that are using the latest technologies. So I, I love that, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, certain, uh, companies with ID departments that, that might be used to doing things in the old way. I mean, he's like looking at the new ways and, and supporting whatever's needed. And I love that attitude. And, you know, I think it goes back to the say yes to everything, you know? And the other thing I noticed about his workforce, at the very end of the podcast, Matt talked about how they were not actually just IT operators, but he wants everybody to be an IT developer, and he's really interested in new delivery models like containers. 
And I, I just thought it was fascinating that, you know, a building parts supplier in Australia is able to embrace kind of a DevOps, uh, say yes attitude towards IT. You know, and if he can do it, it seems like I, I don't see, I don't think there are any excuses anymore. Well, let's not give away too much of the uh, the, the podcast, and let's uh, give folks a chance to listen to it. So, with that, let's let's get into the interview. Today, I'm here with with Matt Day and myself, Dwayne Lesner. So, I'll uh, I'll turn it over to Matt. You can just maybe describe a bit about yourself, uh, how you got into the IT world, and what you're up to currently. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Look, uh, thanks for inviting me today. I'm certainly, uh, I'd like to think the average sort of uh, IT guy out in the field. I've uh, got a fairly long history in IT now. I uh, didn't come through the university track. I uh, um, basically I had an apprenticeship. I um, started when I was 15. Um, I'm 35 now, so that gives you an idea of how long I've been doing it. And you know, I've seen things come and go. Uh, so uh, I'm now the IT manager at Lang's Building Supplies. I guess I'm responsible for all the uh, information technology and communication infrastructure at Langs and, and how uh, technology affects the business. I think I've seen that, that role change over the last uh, five years, um, certainly more so in the last couple. The role is, is really about enabling our users more than enabling the application. Uh, it used to be all about the application and the endpoints and, and the uh, mechanics of IT um, now I, I see my role as more about the, enabling the business and thinking more about um, the big picture of how uh, we best serve our, our users, uh, whether they be internally or externally, and how we leverage technology to, to um, increase the business capabilities. Uh, so some of the things I'm working on now, um, really uh, in terms of tech, it's all about my, my lab. You know, come, come back from VMworld, there's an awful lot of new technology to play with. Um, you know, you've got your, your Dockers, you've got your vCloud Airs, you've got the, you know, the VMware betas that I, I really can't speak too much about because they're NDA, but, you know, vSAN, all that sort of stuff sitting in my lab. Oh, um, and, sure, tell the world. <laughs> um, and a lot of that stuff is brought about by, you know, a lot of the stuff we've done in the server room because I don't have to spend more, most of my time now babysitting that stuff uh, in production. I can uh, use my time um, to self-educate, um, play with more technology, which has an impact on the business, and also work on the business. Think about ways that we can uh, add to the capabilities of the business in terms of IT and communication. So, so that's really where, where I'm focused in terms of my uh, personal goals and, uh, you know, and the business again. I think for me, it's not so much what we're doing today and what we did yesterday. It's about what we want to do in 24 months' uh, time and going forward and being in that bracket. Well, when I go around, Dwayne, I, I probably see about three or four different types of people, probably mainly three types in, in my world, my peer, peer groups, I guess. There's the died in the wool sort of, um, this is how I've done it for the last 10 years and that's how I'm always going to do it. Um, they're your normal sort of traditional tier guys. There's the guys that have adapted the attitude of, I've been doing this now for 15 years and I really don't care and so someone else can look after it because uh, they don't really know where they fit in um, and that's a, a skills <laughs> gap, I guess. Um, and, and that's, you know, I see a lot of those guys just push it all to the cloud. Um, you know, it's the magic yeah, and they press the button, right? And, um, an attitude not, gap. Yeah, it's an attitude gap, right? And, and so they actually suffer for that and their businesses suffer for that. Um, and then you've got guys in the middle where I like to think I am um, who are pretty old school but uh, embrace change you know, and want to change and want to evolve and want to develop their businesses because um, they realize that that's how you get the best benefit um, to your user. Um, because you want to walk the halls, you know, and you know, I, I went through that stage where IT always said no. Someone asked, can we do this? No, because 
you know, it turned into a, a big exercise in terms of planning and, and capacity and data sizing, and you just didn't have it. Um, and we don't want to say no anymore. We want to say yes. And we've got to the stage where we've got technology, um, like hyperconverged and all that other stuff, that allows us to say yes. We can easily do that. We can rapidly deploy this. Um, so I like going around saying yes to everybody. Um, and that, that, I think, has come to the top of the, the four, I guess, in the last 18 months. And I think it'll become more relevant as we go forward. IT really has to get back to being uh, an enabler of the business. It's just crazy to think when you hear IT people that don't want to, to do something differently. It's like you're dealing usually with newer technology. It kind of just seems part of the game. And I think, you know, some of that too, like your attitude's great. You said that you didn't go to school or post-secondary for education, but I think most of the stuff, like I went to school, but I look at back what I learned, nothing's really, most of it's not applicable today from like a pure technology standpoint. But I think it's a whole concept of just, you know, wanting to learn more and, and getting it done. Um, that, that should I, always be the, you know, like I, I talk to like uh, junior guys, you know, guys that I would help um, educate now. And I talk about the light bulb moment. And that light bulb moment is where someone goes, oh, okay, I understand it now. It's a way of thinking. IT for me is, isn't knowing the nuts and bolts of the skill set. It's the attitude and the way of thinking about things and thinking about it logically and following the process through. Um, so we should never be afraid of change. I think if you find an IT guy that's afraid of change, the light bulb hasn't gone off um, because really change should be what we do. It's our bread and butter. Look at how much we've changed in, in the last 15 years. I can't think of another industry that has the amount of change that we have in IT. You know, what was best practice just five years ago, we wouldn't dream of doing today. So why would we be scared of changing things? <laughs> I think it, the, rate, the rate of change and then just people, kind of the whole consumerization too. Like, I don't know if bringing your own device ever really panned out, but people today want results. They want it now. It's everything's... You know, you, you want an answer, you look on your iPhone, you get it. When we talk about web scale to people, it's really about that kind of credit card mentality. If you want to go get it, you know, go swipe your credit card, go pay for it and, and carry on with life, much like you say yes. It's really about responding to the business. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's just going to get, get worse um, as far as, you know, technology needs to be the enabler. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and us as IT practitioners have to be the innovator and keep, keep that moving. It doesn't matter in what sort of role you've got. You, you've always got to be moving forward because, you know, it's true. If you stop in IT, you, you, you're going backwards. You sound like you're like the company. It sounds fairly, your management must be on board. You're, if, you're, if you have the time to, to look ahead, I think most people are kind of caught in a situation where they're, you know, putting out fires. Was that a, a conference last week where it was, uh, the conference was called Data, 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 and they were talking, you know, big data, unstructured. And, but when I talked to guys at the booth, a lot of it was their infrastructure is so bad or so old that they're focused on just keeping that stable. And then, and then maybe they'll think of something else. But I think, you know, that's the whole thing of if you've always done something in one way, you're probably going to get the same results. Absolutely. Like, um, look, to be honest, the, the, the GFC really uh, helped us in a, in a lot of ways. I know that sounds crazy, and I, I feel sorry for the people that, that uh, lost their jobs. So certainly in my industry, like my industry got, got, got hammered. But what it did do is allowed us to slow down and look at what we were doing and look at our processes and uh, understanding what we might be able to change and also let timescales catch up. All of my stuff needed to be refreshed 
um, at the exact same time. So I was able to have a look at um, what was out there and uh, put in place a plan that allowed me to encompass all of that. You know, if it wasn't for the GFC, I probably wouldn't have done that, and I wouldn't have been in a situation to uh, implement the stuff I've implemented today. Sorry, Matt. What what was that that caused that change? Sorry, maybe some of the people won't know what. Uh, the uh, global financial crisis, the slowdown in, in the uh, economy. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't pick up on the acronym, but that uh, wouldn't be the first time. It uh, out where I live, it's kind of a bubble. Um, the oil industry is so big that. I don't think it's really ever slowed down in uh, in Alberta and Canada anyway, but definitely whole suburbs in the states kind of got wiped out or vacated. Pretty crazy to think of. Yeah, like like for us, um, uh, I guess our industry in particular, because um, and my my industry is uh, the building industry, right? So so we're a supplier to um, mum and dad you know, building companies that build houses. You know where they build two hundred houses a year or or five. Um, that's our, our core core industry is that that cottage industry and they were the ones hardest hit at uh, in the in the gfc slowdown here in australia so um you know we we dropped 50 percent of our workforce um so you know it was a massive massive thing and thankfully knock on wood we're around that corner and it's ramping up but with what we've put in place and been able to put in place um we'll ramp up now with the business again it's your your business is also opening another another store as well yeah another site uh, so, so we're in the middle of uh, um, development on um, uh, another site, same sort of sizing as our, our head office. Uh, if you're my opposition, I'm sorry, but we're coming to get you. And uh, what, what the technology that we've put in place uh, with the hyper-converged and the web scale stuff, it allows us to scale uh, very, very rapidly. You know, it, previous years, if I had to run up a new site, you know, that, that took a lot of, lot of thinking, a lot of organization. Now I just need to get fiber into the, into the site and then I'm done. Um, there really is no thinking about it. Um, we really do just scale on demand. I know currently today that you run, you have VDI, you're using the Nutanix 7000 series with the NVIDIA cards. Will both sites have those type of users or will they stay to one site? No, no all, all our sites uh, will have that user. In fact, our biggest, in terms of employment, one of our biggest growth rates uh, now is uh, employing uh, engineers in geographically different locations. So normally, you know, we would hire from the pool of available staff uh, in, in our local area, um, in Queensland here. Now we're not doing that. We, we've got, you know, guys in Pakistan, um, the US, nearly every state in, Queen, in, um, in Australia, uh, Victoria and, and Sydney and all those sort of places. And we, as a company, in terms of IT, we don't have to uh, um, do anything different because all our users get the exact same user experience. It doesn't matter where they are. And, and again, that, that comes back to us not caring about the endpoint. You know, if someone wants to be in the Antarctic and do their job, well, so be it. Um, as, a, as an IT manager, <laughs> IT guy, I don't care where they are. Right? God bless them. To, you know, I, I shouldn't have to care where they are. I should be able to just scale out and, and uh, deliver that experience to my user wherever they may be because that is the business capability that we, we wanted to add, and we've realized that. And, you know, I've got uh, you know, employee login request forms coming across my desk uh, nearly every day now, uh, and none of them locally located here in, uh, in Brisbane with me. Um, they're, they're somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, they will all use the same, you know, 7,000 infrastructure um, that all my other users have. And if the user count scales past the uh, resource count, well, I'll just add another node and get the resource count back in order and um, balanced. Um, and that's really easy. I don't have to, I don't have to know when that's going to happen. You know, I don't have to look too far into the future and decide, oh, I need this amount of storage or I need this and I need that. 
and, and how is that going to play out? Um, I'll, I'll just do it when it happens. Um, and that, that gives you a lot of freedom. You know, in IT now, we want freedom. We, we want that um, reduced complexity in our management. Um, we, we just want to be able to do things. We want to do things for the business without being held back. And, and the reduction of that management complexity is what, what's driving that. I, you know, my thing under that whole story is here's, you know, a company based in Australia, but your workforce is truly global, um, your reach anyway. So you can always get the best talent. It doesn't really matter uh, for you, which I think... Well, well that, that, Dwayne, that, that, that gives me a competitive advantage to my business as well. You know, if there's a better caliber of staff out there, but they're in a different state, um, I can employ them. I don't have to employ the, the, the lesser caliber staff. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's just a reality. You know, if I've got a guy that uh, uh, works in Sydney and he can work at twice the rate of the guy here in Brisbane, then I want the guy in Sydney. I don't want the guy in Brisbane. Um, so that, that just gives us the, the, the options. I, I just want a plug-and-play data center. Really, that's what I want. Sometimes I always wonder how I got the job I have at Nutanix because I live in the middle of nowhere, essentially. Like, I'm two hours away from an airport. But I think that's kind of just the, the way the economy is moving. As long as your passport will let you in when you do need to travel, I don't think it really matters too much. But you know, you're perfectly right. When when I was in um, San Francisco for VMworld, it didn't stop me uh, doing my job. I still managed to to, to manage things back at home because I, I was using the exact same environment. The time scale was a bit bit rough. <laughs> People wanted to talk <laughs> yeah, to me from Australia, but that was it. Sometimes it's a double-edged sword having access all the time. That's for sure. From, Absolutely, you know. From VMworld, you know, they presented some of the, the new vGPU stuff with, uh, with Google and their Chromebooks. Did any of that appeal to you at all? Oh, massively. I've got to say, the, um, that was one of my um, highlights of, um, of being there, uh, um, external to the, you know, the Nutanix stuff. But uh, um, it was really the NVIDIA VMware discussion around vGPU. Um, it was one of the things I targeted uh, before I even got to VMworld. It was, that was a discussion I wanted to have with the NVIDIA guys um, and, and the uh, VMware guys, and, and thankfully I got to have it. Uh, I met some really good people there. Um, but vGPU is a big thing, a uh, very big thing. Um, being able to get the NVIDIA driver in a shared environment will have uh, performance gains uh, off the chart for uh, 3D CAD guys. You know, but, you know, dedicated is great, but no one no one I know can afford it. Maybe Ferrari can, but no one in my, my position can afford to give every user a, a, a K1 or a K2 card as a dedicated piece of hardware. Right? So, so it's got to be a shared environment. Right? Um, that's where the, 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 the payoff is. Um, and while VSGA works pretty good, it's, it's got its hands tied behind its back in that it's only DirectX 9. Some applications don't like not seeing an NVIDIA driver. Um, so vGPU really fixes that, turns that around and gives us a, a comparable um, DGA sort of experience, but in a shared, shared environment. And that's what we want. Um, the only downside at this stage is, um, just like dedicated, you can't vMotion um, a running VM. So that has some HA sort of um, implementations. Uh, so you'd have to shut down the, the VM and then motion it and then bring it back up again, which you know isn't that big a deal, I guess, but it just uh, messes with my chi a bit about uh, an always-on business model, which I, I, I love about the, the Nutanix platform and that I really drive with. Hopefully, hoping, though, that NVIDIA will work on that and maybe we'll, we'll see that, that, that issue go away. Awesome stuff. Yeah, it, uh, it's crazy the interest that that garners. Like, we were at Citrix Synergy working in the booth right beside NVIDIA 
And I think everybody asked us, do we have Zen support? And I think the only reason they asked was because of eGPU. So, oh, look, I, I, just, I think you're right, Dwayne, because I meet lots of people that say to me, um, oh, you can't do 3D CAD with um, uh, VMware. And so, well, you, you can, because I, I do it. You know, I'm doing it right now. But my app is DirectX 9, so it's okay. But getting DirectX 10 and, and 11 with uh, vGPU and the newer OpenGL stuff, that's phenomenal. That, that's going to totally change the, the user experience for my guys here. And I can't wait to give it to them. Did they happen to mention, if, you know, if you're pretty spread out, even if you can deliver the advanced graphics, how will that will still be viable even with uh, like a fairly adequate bandwidth? Look, I, I believe so. I, I, I've seen, because um, I've done uh, VDGA testing with uh, different bandwidth tests, and I don't think we're going to see much of a, a difference between that and uh, um, vGPU. I, I always sort of count on one meg per uh, 3D graphical user in a remote office sort of situation. Sometimes it's not that high, but that's where I like to be. Uh, and that's what I'd recommend anyone that's going to do uh, accelerated 3D CAD work um, does as well. Yeah, I, I would assume it's, you know, well, I know it is. It's fairly dependent on, on what, what you're driving. I know everyone's going to be different, but yeah, I think that's a fairly good, safe assumption for the most part. You never know what the end user is going to be doing. <laughs> There's always that one user that finds a way to break it badly. It doesn't make it the norm. Just like IOPS, Dwayne. Like, you know, everybody's IOPS requirement changes based on their workload. You know, you see these raw numbers of, of people quoting, you know, you know, 500K IOPS raw, 100% read or something, right? And, and that, you can't really believe that because right? it doesn't actually, doesn't eventuate in practical terms in your real world environment. You've got to look at your application and your workload and see exactly how much IOPS you need. Um, there's no point having you know half a million IOPS if you only actually need 10,000. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with people saying, hey, my steady state is is X, like 20 IOPS or 50 IOPS, because you know even that's how we do our VDI assurance program, like guaranteeing performance. But the reality is, there's so many peaks and valleys that you need to be able to burst at any one time. And local, luckily for us. Yeah, and I, I, I see uh, VMs of my own, you know, uh, server VMs and that, where they'll burst 5,000 um, IOPS, you know, and then at any other given point in time, they're doing, you know, 100. Yeah, I, there was a, a couple of years back, Jim Moyle uh, gave a really good session on on uh, IOPS and Windows. Basically, the gist of it was, you know, a Windows 7 or XP image has no idea about shared storage, and so... It'll grab whatever the heck it can and uh, and use it willingly. So, which is kind of freaky if you think about it. Like, if you could really do some damage if it's not, especially in a traditional model when you only have two controllers. It can. It's probably why a lot of VDI deployments went to the wayside. But you get that saturation point. Yeah. Nevertheless, though, it's you know I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully this next new one in January, it won't be the year of VDI. Hopefully, it'll be the year of software-defined networking or something else, and we can all move on. But I'm sure there'll be some T-shirts made up, and it always seems that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Any, like, um, I, I think that's the, sort of the, the next frontier, actually, the software-defined network. Yeah, it actually, like, and I wasn't really a, a believer of NSX for a while because I my mindset was really stuck in VXLAN and the whole notion of, you know, is there a customer out there that needs more than 4,000 VLANs? And the vast majority, I would say, don't. But I think the security aspects of it, are, it really has me intrigued right now. And we're seeing 
that's from at least on our internal Yammer feed, a lot of people trying to install it and get it going. So it seems like it's really picking up now. I think that will grow. I think there will be a lot more interest over time, especially as uh, uh, things like the software-defined data storage and stuff like that becomes the norm. That will be the next sort of focus. For, well, it certainly is for me. And I'm not even a network guy, right? I, I, I never profess to know much about networks. Um, I'm a systems administrator by, by sort of trade. Um, but even I'm interested in, in um, the way uh, uh, software-defined networking will go. Yeah, well, hopefully it just keeps up with the whole mantra of doing more with less. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Like, you're talking about people that don't want to change. If you thought storage people could be bad sometimes, I think networking is <laughs> is way worse. And I'm obviously I have my own <laughs> my own reasons why I think that, and maybe that's probably bad. But it's just like networking equipment doesn't really have a, the same refresh rate, and so you still need like the whole thing with AC ACAI or whatever Cisco is running with. It like they have hardware switches that's needed, but even for NSX, you still need gear that talks or can terminate uh, those tunnels. So I think it will take a bit before it, you know, it goes really mainstream, but it's farther it along than it's ever been. So software always requires silicon. Yeah, there's no magic in it. That's, you know, it can't come from, from thin air. No, that's right. Well, you know, wrapping it up, where, what? on your roadmap for for the short term what are you looking to to accomplish or maybe set your team up with um as you kind of look into the the new year i, I think as i look forward Duane, I, I think it comes down to um again what what capabilities can can we add and that that, that could be uh where the hybrid cloud kicks in for us uh, at langs you know maybe v cloud uh, air um and how we deliver apps to the end user, faster, better, uh, more seamlessly and on demand. Just taking everything that we've been thinking about, you know, um, that always-on business model, non-disruptive workflows, and, and speed of deployment, and bringing that to everything. You know, how, how can we rapidly deploy applications very quickly? And I think that's a big space for us uh, personally. And I think that's where we're probably gonna, gonna, going to focus our energies on. Um, and plus, you know, cleaning up some of our legacy applications, you know, uh, moving some of our OSs around. Um, versions of SQL, things like that. And we can do that. We can take that from the lab and then take it across. I'm very keen on Docker, um, having a look at Docker some more. But uh, we've got time to educate that uh, on that sort of stuff. Um, right now, I'm very happy with the way we're working on the business. And you know, other parts of it is you know, telephony even. Um, we've done all this work around the, uh, the, the user's desktop and our, our entire workflow, but telephony is lagging behind for us locally. Um, so we'll look at that as well. Um, so there's a whole heap of pieces that um, are out there that we can still look at, and uh, we'll, we'll just keep growing those. There's a world of opportunity, and you know, on, on that same note, what what are you looking to to do to get there from from a training? I guess if you had to look towards learning something new, or maybe your staff, what are where are you going to kind of gear them towards? Oh, uh, look, uh, it'll definitely uh, be software to find something. Certainly not much interested in learning about hardware anymore and how to, how to plug things together. It really is about uh, the application. So, you know, all my um, my developers, I, I don't have uh, technicians anymore. Um, all my uh, staff are all uh, software-based um, um, software developers. And again, I'm really keen on pushing them into uh, learning new new ways of doing it. Um, that's why I'm keen on Docker. And from systems administration point of view, um, I'm keen on um, uh, the vCloud airs of, airs of this world and deploying those applications very, very quickly. So... My skill set that I, I personally want to keep looking at is all around the, um, the virtualization sort of side of things.
and more again um, with the, uh, you know, the Nutanix stuff itself. I mean, that, that's a personal bent. I love the Nutanix stack. I think it really enables me uh, in IT to do the things I want to do and focus in the areas I want to focus on. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you for your time. Definitely we'll uh, keep track of you on Twitter at idomatically, uh, which is kind of a neat uh, Twitter handle, by the way. And uh, from <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll see you online. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow Nutanix on Twitter for the latest news and announcements. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if you're interested on being a guest, email community at Nutanix.com. I am Angelo Luciani. I am Laura Whalen. And I'm John Mark Troyer. We'll see you next time.